hold on to me as we go as we roll down this unfamiliar road and although this wave is stringing us along just know you're not alone I'm gonna make this place your home. Good morning. You're listening to the Kern County Real Estate Review on AM 1560, FM 97.7, KNZR, and streaming live on KNZR.com with your host, Lori McCarty of the McCarty Group at Coldwell Banker. Consistently ranked as one of the best in the business nationwide, Lori's been selling real estate in Kern County for over three decades, during which time she's successfully helped over 11,000 families meet their real estate needs. So if you're thinking of buying or selling, there's no better choice than the McCarty Group. Working with an expert makes the process easy and puts more money in your pocket. You can either Google the McCarty Group, that's M double C-A-R-T-Y, or call 661-665-SOLD. And those numbers are 661-665-7653. And she or one of her partners will be delighted to help you. Let them make you their next success story. And a big good morning to you, Lori. Oh, a big good morning right back to you, Adelaide. How are you doing? Oh, loving the cool weather. Getting a little chilly, but I, I don't mind it. I really do enjoy it. And sure beats the heat, ooh, let me tell you. Definitely does, and we're getting close. I know. Getting very close to the big day, and what do you got going on? How's well, your morning going? You know, life is a little hectic right now, but good. Um, you know, I think everybody says this that the holidays are the most wonderful time of the year, but I also find it to be one of the most hectic yes, times of the yes. year. Uh, there's just so much to do, and it feels like so little time to do it. Um, fortunately, all the shopping I'm going to do, my decorating and my gift wrapping are all finished mm, now. Nice. Yeah, so I get to actually sit back and work a little bit more or enjoy the holidays, right? <laughs> oh, yeah. Are you completely ready for Christmas now? I am super close, almost there. Um, I've got, there. well, I've got one, my stepmom. I'm having trouble finding her oh. something. So we're getting close. We're getting close. We will find something for you. I know you we will. will find something. You always yeah. have such great ideas. You'll be, you'll be fine. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. You know, I was thinking there is another hectic time of the year just around the corner. Um, and this one, unfortunately, isn't fun like Christmas. Uh, got any guesses what it might be? Uh, I'm afraid to say it, but are we going to talk about taxes? Uh, yeah, good uh. guess. <laughs> <laughs> you know, honestly, it's it's coming up on the end of the year, which means it's really time to start getting all of your necessary documents in order and get prepared to file your tax returns. So today we have a tax expert to discuss the tax benefits for homeowners and how you can get prepared for the looming tax season. So not only does the new year bring about tax season, unfortunately it also means some new laws. And you know California, we have to pass a ton of new laws before the new year starts. So 
You want to guess again, Adelaide, how many new laws will be going into effect on January 1st? Um, you know what? I finally got my taxes right and was able to do them for last year. So uh-huh. I'm hoping nothing changes, but I'm going to guess there's going to be more that I hope for. 100, 200? Oh, not even close. <laughs> 770 new California laws are going to be going into effect on January 1 oh my of 2022. Yeah. Oh, jeez. Yeah. Our lawmakers and governor have been extremely busy, you know? <laughs> and of course, out of these new laws, there are a few that popped out to me. And what do you know? They have to do with housing in California. Ah, surprised, right? <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> so I want to talk about SB 9 and SB 10 because they've gotten a lot of attention lately. Senate Bill 9, which is the most controversial of the two new laws, was signed by Governor Newsom in September, and it allows property owners to split a single-family lot into two lots, to add a second home to their lot, or to split their lot into two and place duplexes on each lot. The last option would wind up creating four housing units on a property that's currently limited to a single-family home. Senate Bill 10 then eases the process for local governments to rezone neighborhoods near mass transit or in urban areas to increase density with apartment complexes of up to 10 units per property. The new legislation also allows cities to bypass lengthy review requirements under the California Environmental Quality Act in an attempt to help reduce costs and the time it takes for projects to be approved. These two laws have gotten a lot of attention because of a concern that this is going to be the end of single-family zoning in neighborhoods. Mm, I don't want my neighbor putting up four duplexes next to me. I get that. No kidding. Well, they actually put up two duplexes, so four units. Four units, yeah. That's plenty. That's more than... Yeah, it's (laughs) way more. I mean, single-family home, right? We live in a single-family neighborhood, right? Mm. I I hear you. Another law that's going into effect that's going to impact all of us is SB 1383. Now, this was a law that was signed into effect by Governor Jerry Brown in 2016, but it doesn't actually take effect until 2022. So any person or business that creates garbage will have to recycle all of their organic food waste. People are no longer going to be allowed to throw away food scraps or other organic materials. Instead, they have to go into the green bin that we currently use for disposing of yard trimmings or other organic waste. Ew. Yeah. This is, <laughs> this is really going to be a huge adjustment for me. I mean, I don't ever think to separate out my food scraps from the rest of my garbage. Mm-mm. Yeah. Our local code enforcement will have a new law to follow in the new year. AB 838 is going to prohibit local code enforcement agencies from placing restrictions or preconditions such as mandating that the rent be paid in full before responding to habitability complaints. And speaking of rentals, there are a slew of new laws affecting rental properties. One that really piqued my interest was AB 468. So it will prohibit a licensed healthcare practitioner from providing documentation about an individual's need for a su- an emotional support animal, 
without first establishing a client-provider relationship with that individual for at least 30 days prior to providing that documentation that they need an emotional support animal. And also they have to complete an in-person clinical evaluation of the individual who requests that emotional support animal. Hmm. So I think that will cut down on a lot of the, um, oh, you don't allow pets? I'm sorry, I have an emotional support dog. Okay, okay. Okay? Are you saying that people were taking advantage of that? No, I wouldn't say that. (laughs) People don't do that, right? That's not part of human nature. Yeah. Right. So one last law I wanted to mention that applies to multifamily structures is AB 491. And this law will require that for mixed-income multifamily structures, occupants of the affordable housing units must have the same access to the common entrances, common areas, and all amenities as the occupants of the market-rate housing units. So it also will prohibit a mixed-income multifamily structure from isolating the affordable housing units within that structure and limiting it to a specific floor or a specific area on a specific floor. Does that make sense? That makes sense. Okay. So, new year, new laws. What do you think? Any of them concern you? Um, you know what? There, yeah, th- this is good information too, because I'm gonna have to dig deeper as well. Um, but it, it's a lot of stuff to take in too. So, yes, it is. Yes. It is. There's, SB nine and SB ten are what really concern me. Um, and I think we'll we'll have to see how all that's going to play out, um, particularly in the mm-hmm. suburban neighborhoods. And unfortunately. Only time will tell. Here's the interesting part about those two. Mm-hmm. It, it could lead to possibility for a, land, uh, a landlord owning a single-family home thinking, I could make four units right. in this one lot. Right. They could. Drive my neighbors crazy. Right. <laughs> but right. think of the income. Mm-hmm. So, eh, I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. So, like I said, only time will tell. But for now, I'd like to focus on our topic at hand and introduce our guest, Amanda Giacomo, owner of Atlas Financial Solutions. So good morning, Amanda. How are you doing? Good morning. I'm doing great. Thanks for asking. How are you both doing? We're doing great, or at least I am. I assume doing you are excellent. too, Adelaide, because you're here with me, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Yes. No place I'd rather be than right here. <laughs> oh, you're so sweet and such a liar. Uh, so Amanda, um, tell everybody a little bit about yourself. Yeah, my name is Amanda DiGiacomo, as we said. I'm owner of Atlas Financial Solutions. We are um, an accounting firm here in Bakersfield, California. I've owned the firm for three years. I've been in accounting for about 10 years now. Um, I went, I'm a CSUB alumni, and I serve on a couple of nonprofit boards here in town. Um, so that, that's a little bit about me. Fantastic. So can you tell us why you started Atlas Financial Solutions? Yeah, I was in a turning point in my career. The current job that I had, they were kind of downsizing and wanting to retire. And I came home one day and was like, you know, what skills do I have? What can I do? And a lot of it was, you know, um, helping businesses mm-hmm. with internal operations and then a lot of the finance side of the company. And so I thought, I'm young, not married. Why not start a business? If it fails, I can always go get a job. Right. <laughs> um, so I you know, quit my full-time paying salary job and 
hit the ground running and started the firm. And within the first 11 months, it was definitely really hard. And mm-hmm. But then when that 11th mark hit, we you know, doubled in size and clients. And I had to hire my first employee. And we just keep growing and growing and growing since then. That's fantastic. I was going to say, I know that it's not just you. I know you have employees as well. So tell us about the team at Atlas Financial Solutions. Yeah, I have a couple team members, and we actually just hired somebody uh, recently. But um, I have a team member named Joelle, Ryan, Adelina, and Brenda. Um, All of them are um, CSUB accounting grad like graduates. One uh-huh. of them is about to graduate and one of them is going to be graduating in a year and then the other two have already graduated. So I've utilized the local community to help, you know, staff my firm. Great. And along the way, I've been able to teach them a lot about the accounting and uh, bookkeeping principles, which they were like, oh, this is so awesome to, to finally have like the theory behind in school and then like now the actual practice, like it clicked. And so I think it's been really awesome to be a mentor and be able to, like, give back to my alma mater and, you know, hire from local. That's wonderful. So tell us about the uh, various different services that you provide. Of course. So, yes. So um, our bread and butter is mainly um, monthly and quarterly bookkeeping. Uh, We work with a lot of small to mid-sized companies. We do have a a few large-sized companies, and we partner with a a lot of local CPA firms here in town, and they kind of outsource some bookkeeping work to us as well. Um, And so that would be our bread and butter, but we also do sales tax, payroll, and then individual tax returns. Um, I dabble here and there in S-Corps and LLC tax returns, like partnerships and things like that. But because of our partnerships with the CPAs, like I do refer a lot of those out to the CPAs um, because there's so many different changes with S-Corps and C-Corps and LLCs. Like they have somebody full-time that can focus on that. And I focus more on the individual. Um, So that's kind of all the services that we offer at Atlas. That's fantastic. Um, I think that has been a Great introduction, Amanda. And looking at the clock, I think it's time for us to take a short break. But before we do, tell everyone how they can reach you and Atlas Financial Solutions. Of course, you can go to our website, which is atlasfinancialsolutions.net. You can sign up for our uh, newsletter, which you'll get a free cheat sheet for business deductions if you do. You can also follow us on Instagram. Our handle is atlasfinancialsolutionsca. I post a lot of reels and good information there for free. And then you can also call us at 661-703-7781. Thanks so much, Amanda, and stay tuned, folks. We'll be back in a minute. You're listening to the Kern County Real Estate Review with Lori McCarty of the McCarty Group at Coldwell Banker Preferred Realtors on 1560 AM, 97.7 FM, KNZR, and streaming live on KNZR.com. And to reach Lori, you can call her or her team anytime at 661-665-SOLD. That's 661-665-7653. 
Or you can go to her website at themccartygroup.com, where you can tour all the properties available in Kern County from the comfort of your couch, request an in-person tour, find out the value of your home, and see the McCarty Group's success stories. Ranked number eight in North America for Coldwell Banker and the only Kern County realtor to be listed in the Wall Street Journal's Top 100 Agents for 2021, she is truly an expert in her field. Her desire, as well as that of her team, is to not only achieve their clients' goals, but to exceed their expectations. So let them do just that. And we'll be right back with the Kern County Real Estate Review here on KNZR. Hi, Dennis Prager here for Lori McCarty, host of the Kern County Real Estate Review. If you've got questions about real estate, she's got answers. Tune in every Sunday at 8 a.m. right here on KNZR, 1560 a.m., 97.7 FM. Now that's smart. And we're back this morning with Lori McCarty of the McCarty Group on the Kern County Real Estate Review here on 1560 AM, 97.7 FM, KNZR, and streaming live on KNZR.com. And if you're thinking about selling but need to make some renovations first, you'll want to contact Lori to find out about her amazing program designed to help sellers get their home ready to sell. It's called the McCarty Line of Convenience, or MLOC for short. This program allows sellers to tap into their equity for renovations and repairs. There is no interest or fees associated with the MLOC. It's simply paid back at the close of escrow. Call 661-665-SOLD. That's 661-665-7653 to see if you qualify for this exclusive program designed to help maximize your selling price. And if you're just tuning in, we're speaking with Amanda Giacomo of Atlas Financial Solutions. And Amanda, which time is busier for you, year-end or tax season? I would say both. Like It doesn't stop from like mid-November mm. to April. It's nonstop busyness. <laughs> Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> oh, you mean all of your people file on time in April? Wow, oh, that's no, no. exciting. I, I thought it would go from November all the way to October. <laughs> yeah, so November to April, then I get a break because no one really talks about or thinks about it. And then literally the month before um, September, because if you're a corporation or right. um, a partnership, you have to file in September. And if you're individual, you file in October. Um, I would say mid-August. The end of October is busy again, and then <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's okay. Great job stability, right? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, so I wanted to talk to you today about the tax benefits of owning your own home. You know, over the years, the advantages of home ownership from a tax standpoint have really changed, and I. I find myself constantly having to research to keep up with the new laws and the new guidelines. Now, in doing some research before this episode, I came across a few write-offs, a few deductions, and some credits that I want to ask you about. But before we dive into that, can you tell us what the difference is between those three things, between write-offs, deductions, and tax credits? Um, Yeah, of course. So... 
With write-offs, it's essentially like if you're owning a business and those are expenses that are going against your gross income, which you're only taxed on your net income. Okay. Um, Deductions are there to reduce the overall income that you're going to be taxed on. And then a credit is being applied to like whatever tax liability that you would have owed. Okay. Those would be the differences between the three. Okay, great. So when we talk specifically about your personal residence, can you deduct your mortgage interest? Yeah, of course. I think these are great questions, and I I want to just say a few things before we dive right into it. So I think this is going to help the viewers kind of understand um, all the different things that we're going to discuss that you can write off. Okay. Um, So first and foremost, as we said several times, tax laws are changing, and especially with COVID, they're changing like every three to six months. So anything that I say today could definitely change by April, by the time everyone's filing taxes, (laughs) especially with the Build Back Better um, kind of in the process of being passed right now. There's a lot of changes to the taxes. Um, And so anything I say is not really can't be taken as considered like tax advice. Um, Make sure you're still checking in with your tax professional uh, to update you on if it's changed or not. Oh, of course. Um, So. With that said, I do want to go over standard um, deduction and itemized deductions, and okay. I think this will help us um, understand the different things that we can write off and if it's a standard or an itemized. Okay. Um, so it's really essential to understand the difference. Um, both of them reduce down, like, your taxable income. Mm-hmm. And so in 2021, um, due to inflation, um, they have increased it from 2020, the standard deduction. So the standard deduction for a single individual or a married individual filing separately is $12,550. Okay. If you're married filing joint, the standard deduction is um, $25,100. And if you're head of household, the standard deduction is $18,800. The reason why I'm bringing this up is because um, the standard deduction is going to reduce down, say you're married, your taxable income by 25100 An itemized deduction, which a lot of these homeowners deductions that we're going to talk about can only be itemized. And what that means is that you take everything that can be itemized, you put it all together, and whatever that total is, that, that total is going to reduce down your taxable income. So if your itemized deductions are not more than the 25100 then you're not going to want to take those itemized deductions because you're going to want the 25100 deduction versus, say, $12,000 deduction. And the, what the thing to understand about itemized deductions is that a lot of it comes with some percentages, and you can thank the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act for that and some other legislation that got passed. But not everything is at 100% deduction. So, for example, medical, you can only take 7.5% of your adjusted gross income. A lot of these energy rebates, which we're going to talk about later, or credits, I should say, um, you can only take like 23 to 26%. Um, medical uh, improvements to your home, you can only take like 10%. So knowing the percentage of what you can take from the itemized is going to help you. But again, you're going to want to know if you're going to want to take the standard or the itemized deduction for your taxes. Okay, super. So, Amanda, that's a great overview. Can you give us some specifics, like what we can itemize and maybe what we can't itemize? Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, so we're going to start with discount points or mortgage points. So these um, traditionally are being able to deduct 
um, on your taxes. Okay, um, let me stop you right it, there mm-hmm. because for some of our listeners, they don't really know what mortgage points or discount points are. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are the fees, people, that you pay directly to the lender at closing in exchange for a reduced interest rate. Um, your lender might have referred to it as buying down the rate, which can lower your monthly mortgage premium um, or your monthly mortgage payment, rather. Um, and for a point of reference, one point is going to cost 1% of your mortgage amount. So um, if you're getting a $100,000 loan, one discount point or one mortgage point is going to be $1,000. So go ahead and tell them the rest. Sorry to interrupt yeah, you, course. Amanda. No, it's, that's perfect because I was going to give um, – that, that was perfect. I was going to give that explanation. And the one thing I do want to say to add on to that is Sometimes the term points can be confused with um, some lenders call it loan origination points. And those origination points are paying the lender's cost for providing the loan, and they are not tax deductible. So it's understanding if it's mortgage points or discount points versus the loan origination points. And you are correct. It's 1% um, of the mortgage amount that is the deductible, and it's usually taken within that year. So let me just verify. You can't – so if – if you're being charged an origination fee, that's different than a discount point, and you can't write off the origination fee. Is that correct? Yeah, the loan origination points, um, yes, you cannot write those off. They're not tax deductible. Okay. All right. So we really like our lenders to show that as a discount point instead of an origination fee on the settlement statement. <laughs> Yeah, that was a great explanation. Thank you for that. Um, a little bit about loan origination points. So that is deductible for the home buyer, but it isn't for the home seller. So that's one determination that we want to uh, make sure that those that are listening are understanding. Perfect. Okay, great. So what else? Of course. So we have mortgage interest deductions. Um, so, I mean, the job, uh, the... Tax Cuts and Jobs Act definitely reduced kind of the limit that you can take of mortgage interest, but it's still a large amount. So mortgage mm-hmm. interest is definitely something you can still um, itemize. Um, home equity loan interest is something you can itemize as well. Okay. And then um, mortgage interest was supposed to expire in 2020, but they did extend it. So mortgage interest or PMIs, which is the private uh, mortgage insurance. Uh-huh. Um, it's another expense that many homeowners have to factor into their budget, and it's something that you pay to protect uh, your PMI is there to protect your lender if they're unable to continue to make the payments on your mortgage. Right. And those are still being able to be itemized on your tax return for 2021. Okay, great. Then we have obviously property taxes. Um, um, you can deduct up to 10000 in property taxes if you're married and 5000 if you're single. And okay. again, all of these go on to a Schedule A, which is a, a part of your 1040, which is how you itemize all these different um, deductions. Uh, Amanda, are those property tax deductions per house? Yeah. No. no, it's total. It's total, huh? It's total. Okay, okay. Uh, because it's total on your personal residences, your... Um, rental properties are going to be on a Schedule E. Mm. And so you're going to be able to deduct them off of the Schedule E. Okay. But when you're talking on the Schedule A, correct me if I'm wrong, Amanda, um, that it is 
just per property or not per property. It's your personal residences, like okay. personal, personal residence, vacation If you have home. a second home that's right. not a rental, um, then that also would be included. But mm. she is correct. If it's okay. um, a rental property, um, all of those properties would go on a Schedule E. Okay, perfect. So for most people, yeah, $10,000 covers your home, right? Because most people aren't going to have um, more than $10,000 in property taxes um, unless they live in the more expensive parts mm-hmm. of California. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or they have the luxury homes here in Bakersfield. That's true. Very true. Okay. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a good point to um, ask. And I think that was a good clarification question. Great. A um, couple more deductions. Um, I get a lot of questions on can I, you know, working from home remote because of COVID, can I write my home office off? And unfortunately, if you're not self-employed, you cannot write off your home deduction. But if you are self-employed, um, you can write it off on your taxes. It isn't a part of the Schedule A. It would be a part of your Schedule C. Um, and you can get to write that off in two different ways. The first method is calculating the square footage of what your office is compared to your house. So say you have a 1,000-square-foot house and your office is 300 square foot, you do 300 divided by 1,000, and that's 30%. So you can write off 30% of your actual expenses, so maintenance, utilities, Internet, insurance, et cetera. The second method is a simplified method, which is $5 per square foot up to maximum of 300 square foot. So you get $1,500 as a write-off compared to whatever the 30% um, would equate to. So I like to discuss that, especially with a lot of the business owners that I work with, and that's a good deduction to take. But unfortunately, if you had to work from home during the COVID, there is no um, deduction for you in that sense. Oh, that doesn't hardly seem fair, does it? (laughs) It does not, especially with the Internet going crazy because now you have to have you know faster internet with everyone working home right. and your internet bill went up should be able to get some type of write-off <laughs> you would think um but shout out to all those self-employed individuals who can use their home office as a uh, a deduction of course um, and <laughs> the next one i get questions on is home improvement deductions so mm-hmm. Um, with home improvement deductions, unless it's for a medical reason, like hand railings or a ramp or something like that, um, you cannot write those off. Um, they do change the basis of your property, though. So when you do sell it, which will go over capital gains, it will reduce down your capital gains if you had to. Um, my suggestion would be keep all records of um improvements to your house so that you can report those to your tax professionals so that they can help calculate and possibly reduce down your capital gains if you have a capital gains. But if you did make medical improvements, um, you should be able to take some of that as a standard, um, or not standard, as an itemized deduction on your Schedule A. What would be some medical deductions or improvements that you would make? So home. if you had to do a, a ramp for wheelchair or you had to do like hand railings, uh, okay. widening doorways, installing elevators, things like that. Okay. What if you had to, I don't know, put in a new air filtration system because you had um, severe allergies or you developed um, a, a, a terrible lung disease or something? Would that qualify? That's a great question. Um 
in my notes that I have right here, I don't have anything that says. I would think that maybe that might be able to be put under, like, energy efficiency or ways to improve your home, which we're going to discuss that next. Oh, okay. Um, Great. But that would be a good question for me to have to look up to see if there's any deductions for, you know, redoing, you know, your system like that since you have a medical condition to help you breathe. Right. I think that is a good follow-up question to look into. Okay. Super. So then you were going to talk about energy um, credits? Yeah. So there's energy efficiency like credits. Um, So if you are improving solar or you are doing geothermal fuel cell systems or anything like that or water heater um, improvement, solar-based water heaters, there's definitely credits that you can take. Um, to help reduce down your tax liability. Okay. And um, again, as I mentioned earlier, and, and these rates have changed throughout the years, but some of it is, you know, 26%, 21% or up to 30% of the cost. Okay. Um, so to get this credit, you're going to want to uh, fill out form 5695, which is the residential energy credit. Mm-hmm. And so you're definitely wanting to keep your receipts of any of those um, it, add-ons that you did to your house and then provide that to your tax professional so that you can get that energy credit. What about if you're adding solar to your house, if you've added like an owned solar system um, in the last year? Are yeah, there of still so, energy yeah, credits for that? Solar is definitely one. Uh, insulation, um, redoing like windows to improve energy efficiencies, um, solar-powered water heaters, like I said. Mm-hmm. Um, even if you had to like redo a section of your roof to um, make it more stable to put the solar panels, like that construction cost can also go into helping um, with that credit. And um, so all of those are great questions. Okay, super. What else? Um, all right. So I think the other um, huge question I get all the time is the capital gains if you're selling your house. Um, so with that one, um, it really depends on the use test. Um, so if you've lived two of the last five years in your home, um, or if you sold a resident with a residence, your primary residence within the last two years, um, any of that, you have to go through all these questionnaires. And if you, you know, you fall into that, you're able to exclude if you're married up to 500,000 in capital gains, um, for the sale of your house. And if you're an individual single, you can uh, exclude up to 250000 Um So that is something I do get tons of questions on all the time, and that is a benefit where you don't have to pay the capital gains up to that point. So can you elaborate a little bit on that? My understanding, and like I said, these laws change all the time, and um, the capital gains laws on your primary residence have changed dramatically Uh, in the time I've been selling real estate. But my understanding of the current law is that um, if you have lived in the property as your personal residence two out of the last five years, that basically you don't have, it does qualify as your primary residence and you don't have a capital gains expenditure. Is that correct? That's correct up to a certain standpoint though it's still like so if you sell your house for a million dollars five it's only up to five hundred thousand if you're married so you would still have to pay on that additional it's from what i'm understanding from 
the law. Okay. Um, I can, yeah, pretty sure. And then 250000 for individuals. If, if you're so a single person. If you sell your house for $350,000, you are up to 250000 you can exclude, and then you're paying the capital gains on the remaining 100000 Okay. All right. Super. I think that helps people understand a little bit better. Um, go ahead. What else do you have for us? Of course. So those are the major ones that you can um, write off. The things that you can't, um, I guess, I don't want to use the word write off, I'm itemized, I should say. Um, the things that you can it- can't itemize would be like fire insurance, um, domestic service, like if you have somebody coming in, um, utilities, um, unless you're a business owner, um, gas and electric, um, and then any homeowners association fees. Um, things like that you cannot uh, itemize on your Schedule A. I think that is a great explanation of what you can and you can't uh, write off um, at this point. And I think it probably is a natural place for us to take a break. Um, before we do, why don't you um, share with us how we can reach you? Yeah, of course. You can reach us at our website at atlasfinancialsolutions.net, or you can follow us on Instagram. Our handle is atlasfinancialsolutionsca, and then you can contact us via phone at 661-703-7781. Perfect. You're listening to the Kern County Real Estate Review with Lori McCarty on 1560 AM, 97.7 FM, KNZR, and streaming live on knzr.com. We'll be right back. It's no fun missing out on the home you love or having to settle for something less just because you couldn't sell your own home quickly. I'm Barbara Corcoran. I've worked with thousands of successful real estate agents. Let me help you choose the right agent so this doesn't happen to you. If you're buying or selling in Bakersfield, call Lori McCarty because she offers an immediate cash offer and can help you find great homes before they hit the market. Partner with the right agent. Go to themccartygroup.com and start packing. You're listening to KNZR 1560 AM, 97.7 FM, and streaming live on KNZR.com. And we're back this morning with the Kern County Real Estate Review, featuring our host, Lori McCarty of the McCarty Group. For all your real estate questions, call Lori at 661-665-SOLD. That's 661-665-7653. Or go online to themccartygroup.com. You can also follow Lori on social media. For Facebook, follow her at The McCarty Group or on Instagram at Lori underscore McCarty. And to keep up with all the real estate news in Kern County, you can follow this show on Facebook and Instagram at The Kern County Real Estate Review. There you can also submit questions you'd like Lori to answer on air or suggest topics you'd like her to cover on Sunday mornings. And this morning we're interviewing... And this morning, we are interviewing Amanda DiGiacomo of Atlas Financial Solutions. And Amanda, tell our listeners how they can reach you if they're interested in your services. 
Of course. AtlasFinancialSolutions.net is our website. Our Instagram handle is AtlasFinancialSolutionsCA, and our phone number is 661-703-7781. Perfect. So now, Amanda, before the break, we were talking about uh, sellers and capital gains tax. And I know during the break you verified for me that um, not only do sellers have to um, meet the use test two out of the last five years, but they also, for a single individual, can exclude up to $250,000 worth of gain, and for a married couple can exclude up to $500,000 of gain. So what about that couple that now has $600,000 worth of gain? Um, that's 100000 that they're going to um, have that they have um, to pay taxes on. Um, is there a way that they can reduce that amount down, such as by looking at writing off things like real estate commissions and escrow and title fees or inspections that were done. Um, talk to us, if you will, a little bit about how people can reduce the gain um, that they might owe on their property. Yeah, of course. So earlier I did mention a little bit about the home improvements and keeping documentation for that if you make any home improvements throughout the years that you're living in the, your primary house. So would that be um, like? So, so would that be like if I put in a pool? That that put in a, anything that's going to increase the value. So you put in new roofing, um, you put in a pool, uh, renovated, updated kitchen, um, things okay. like that would all be considered like home improvements. And that then, so I start with the purchase price of the house, right? Mm -hmm. And I add those things on top to get my value of the home or my basis in the home, right? Yeah, so you would be increasing your basis in the home uh, with all these improvements. Like if you put new central air, um, you know, home security system, like I said, um, home additions, uh, you improved garages, or maybe you put an awning or something like that. Mm -hmm. um, all of these are going to increase the value in your home, which uh, will help you reduce down um, how much gain you're going to have to pay because you're increasing the basis of, of your home. Perfect. Okay. And then when we go to sell... How do, can we reduce the the gain there? Yeah, so when you're selling um, the commissions that you're paying, the loan origination fees that you're paying will reduce that down. Appraisal fees, credit reports, lender inspection fees, um, assumption fees, mortgage broker fees, all of those will also help uh, reduce down that amount. Um, title expenses, um, so settlement or closing fees, um, title searches, title examinations, title insurance, um, let's see, notary fees, attorney fees, title insurance, those are some more, more examples, um, government records and transfers, um, let's see, additional settlement charges like surveying, um, inspections for pests. Um, paint inspections, all of those can help reduce that down as well. Wow, that's great. So there's a lot of ways that you can help minimize that gain that you're actually might have to pay on, correct? Correct. Great. On a bit of a different tangent, can buyers withdraw from their 401k to fund their down payment? I mean, are there any penalties that might be associated with this? 
Yeah, of course. I really enjoy this question because a lot of people have been confused during COVID because, you know, they passed a, a bill that allowed you to uh, waive the 10% early penalty. Um, that 10% early penalty was only waived if it was hardship um, that you had to take out from your 401k. Um, so if you can't prove hardship, then that 10% isn't going to be waived. So okay. you would still get penalized on uh, the penalty for 10%. And then obviously you still have to pay the taxes on the portion that you take out. Um, so, you know, there's some other options that you can do instead of taking from your 401k. Um, you can obtain a 401k loan against your 401k. Um, most of the time, the interest rates on those 401k loans are, you know, way less than the 10% fee, and then you um, won't um, be charged the 10% withdrawal penalty because you're taking a loan against that. So that's something um, that you can definitely do to help um, if you needed that extra cash for um, closing costs and for a down payment. Um, other alternatives that you can do is if you have an IRA, um, you can consider taking some, you know, money from that IRA. Um, that might help you, especially if it's a Roth IRA or anything like that. Okay. Um, you can also look into an FHA loan. Um, so those loans tend to have a, you know, minimum of 3% or 3.5% down. Um, so that allows you to have to have less money up front. Also, if you're a veteran, you can look into VA loans. Uh, those tend to have more flexibility and be able to put less money down up front as well. And so those are some alternatives to um, instead of taking money out of your 401k and getting hit with that 10% early withdrawal penalty. Okay. All right. Super. Um, so let's talk a little bit um, in the time we have left about investment properties. Are there any tax benefits um, associated with having a rental property? Um, yeah, so a rental property, I think we um, discussed a little bit briefly about the Schedule E. So the Schedule E is where you put um, all of your rental property deductions um, down, and it's kind of very similar to you know self-employment. There's de tons of different things that you can write off um, in your investment property or your rental property. So, you know, maintenance, repairs, insurance, utilities, especially if you're providing those utilities, like if you're paying the water mm -hmm. on that property. Um, and so th those would be a few of the, you know, things that you get to write off on your investment property versus if you're just owning it um, and living in it. Um, so that, that's a really good question, but all of that would be on a schedule E and you can, um, it would, take all those deductions there. Okay, super. Um, and question for you, even once we file our tax returns, um, are there documents that we need to hold on to um, and in the event of perhaps an audit? And, and if so, how long should we maintain those records? Yeah, of course. Um, I love this question. Um, so we're getting ready for tax season here. There's and with COVID, there's a bunch of different things going on that I feel like a lot of people aren't um, been, haven't been prepared on like what I have to keep. So a few things um, that I'll go over for home ownership, but also just in general. If you received any of the stimulus checks, you can go on to the IRS and log into your account, and there's a transcript that you can download and provide 
to your tax professional um, uh, if you received this stimulus check because the third stimulus check is going to be going on to this tax this taxable year. And so that's something you're going to want to provide. Um, also, because of the child tax credits, those also came out monthly this year. Some people opted out and some people didn't. You're going to be able, you're going to have to log into your portal and then download the document to provide that to your tax professional um, to tell them how much you've received already of the child tax credit. And then in general, you're going to want to keep all documentation on, like I said, on home improvements, um, property taxes, and uh, mortgage insurance, which you should be getting a 1098 mailed to you from the mortgage company anyways. Um, so those are documents that you're going to want to gather up and keep um, and to give to your tax professional. Um, generally, the rule of thumb is five to seven years that you want to keep all of these documents. Um, and that just ensures that if you're getting audited that you have the proof that, yeah, I did make those home improvements or I did get the stimulus check or I didn't get the stimulus check or I did get the you know child tax deduction. So those are a few things that you're going to want to keep in your possession for that long. Okay, perfect. And then I would imagine in the case of um, home ownership that any documents you have uh, relating to improvements that you've made to the home, um, that those you probably should keep for as long as you own the home. Is that yeah, right? Yeah, um, definitely, because whenever you're going to want to keep those to prove, you know, the basis in your house property. so that you can reduce down your capital gains, which is what we discussed, you know, a few moments ago. So all of those are going to want to keep in the entirety of owning your home until up you, until you sell them. And then and you're going to want to include your settlement statement and all those when you're going to your tax professional the year that you sell so that, you know, you have all those home improvement documents plus, you know, all of the information of the sale of the house. Okay. Hey, sure. now, now, can I interject here? No. I'm kidding. Of course you can. <laughs> I'm raising my hand, though. Please pick me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're chosen. So, so talking about how long to keep your documents, now, is there a time limit? Because I'm taking notes here um, and thinking like, oh, I don't know if I deducted that or not. Is there a time <laughs> limit on how far I can go back and say, hey, I didn't deduct this two years ago. Can I go back and adjust my, my taxes and get some more money back? Or what's, what's the time limit? So I think that's a great question, and a lot of the new bills have been changing the laws on carrying losses or going back and amending. Um, so on top of my head, I think that they're revising that right now. I don't have an exact number, okay. um, but I believe the last time I looked into it, it was like three years. Okay, so you do have some time. They're mm-hmm. most, most likely it'll be around and that also time. And they, they always yeah. say that you should go back if you see a huge notice or difference on your tax return. But, you know, you should always amend it. Like if you didn't report some income or you definitely know that, hey, I should have took that and it would have offset your taxes. Like you can always go back and, and amend it. But a lot of these, um, and I was telling them during the break that right now, December and January is when they start passing again so many more tax laws. So by the time everyone hears this being aired, um, they're going to be passing a lot of these bills that are going to be changing going forward into the 20 for 2021 tax year. And so um, I, a lot of these things are up for discussion. Okay, Perfect. good. And, and you know what, Lori, another thing I was thinking about too, uh-huh. if we're talking about, you know, planting some trees in the backyard or maybe painting the walls, I'm a do-it-yourselfer. Uh-huh. But when it comes to the tax stuff. Oh, yeah. 
Absolutely not. <laughs> and Amanda, this is a question for you too. So say someone like me is a do-it-yourselfer, has done taxes on their own, but then like, you know what? I, I think I goofed. Can we still come to you and say, help us out here, help me out? Oh, yeah, of course. <laughs> um, and I actually love that question because it segues me into like TurboTax. A lot of people go to TurboTax and H&R Block, and TurboTax is no longer going to be offering like free tax returns. Um, so uh, a lot of people, I feel like this year, are going to be looking for a tax professional, especially with the child tax credit and the stimulus checks and things like that. Um, so you're definitely going to want somebody to be looking over to help you making sure um, you're getting all of that deductions and tax credits and things that you can, especially with, you know, people were still on unemployment this year. And um, if there's a past year that you're like, hey, I filed on TurboTax and like you said earlier, like I'm not sure if I need to be including this. You can definitely bring your copy of your tax return to myself or another tax professional, and they can look over it and be like, hey, yeah, we should have done this or we should have done that, and they can amend it for you. Okay, good, because, yeah, the do-it-yourself thing, again. <laughs> I don't not know when it comes to the idea. finances, really. <laughs> I don't know if it's a good idea for me. Yeah. yeah okay. Well, I, I see you giving me the high sign over there that we're almost out of time. But before we go, Amanda, I have one more question. Um, how should homeowners prepare for their tax appointment with their financial advisor or, or coming in to see Atlas Financial Solutions? Yeah, of course. Um, as, as we mentioned a few times already, you're going to want to definitely keep all of those receipts and invoices for home improvements, and especially if you did any energy efficiency um, improvements to your home, you're going to want to provide all of that to your tax professional within that year. Um, and if you sell your house, you're going to want to make sure you're bringing all of those documentations on the sale of the house. Um, and I, as I went over, if you had unemployment or child tax credit or the stimulus check or any of these things that came out of these COVID bills, you're going to want to make sure you're prepared and bringing all of that. Tax season normally starts um, January 20th, but the IRS hasn't decided when they're opening it. <laughs> um, so... We'll have to see. Uh, last year, they extended it to tax season and open until February. So we'll have to see when the IRS announces when tax season. But I would start immediately after the second week of January, start booking an appointment with your tax professional, at least to get on their books, because um, I feel like it's going to be another hectic tax season. Mm-hmm. I think um, you're normally absolutely taxes right. are due April 15th, but April 15th this in 2022 is a holiday and so the IRS has extended the due date to April 18th. Oh, yay, three extra days. That's good. <laughs> I hey, can move for my procrastinators like me, that's a great thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'll move my appointment to April 17th. <laughs> yeah, you last-minute Lucy Hugh. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Well, Amanda, thank you so much for being on the show today. We really appreciate you taking time out of your busy schedule uh, to share some important information with us. And it is clear that you have a passion for what you do. Um, Before we end the show, would you please tell us one more time how we can reach you and Atlas Financial Solutions? Yes, um, atlasfinancialsolutions.net is our website. And again, like I said, if we have a newsletter, you can sign up there and you'll get a free cheat sheet of um, business deductions. You can follow us on Instagram. Our handle is Atlas Financial Solutions CA. I give a lot of tips in my stories and my reels and my posts for business owners and for individuals. 
And then also you can call us at 661-703-7781. Perfect. I think signing up for that email sounds like a great idea. Everybody needs that cheat sheet, right? Yes. <laughs> oh, again, thanks so much. Um, before we say goodbye until next week, I want to thank everyone for tuning in today and for tuning in each and every Sunday. Hopefully, we've given you some knowledge about this important topic and provided a little more clarity into the world of real estate. I know Adelaide and I both look forward to visiting with you again next Sunday at 8 a.m., just before Sean Hannity, who's coming up next. If by chance you missed an episode of the show or know someone who would enjoy this information and is otherwise occupied at this time, don't worry. We've got the perfect solution. You can now hear this episode and others wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Kern County Real Estate Review to listen to your heart's content. This is Lori McCarty with the McCarty Group of Coldwell Banker Preferred Realtors and your host of the Kern County Real Estate Review, wishing you and yours a wonderful rest of the day and a fantastic week ahead. You're listening to 1560 AM, 97.7 FM, KNZR, and streaming live on KNZR.com. We'll be back next week. Hey, you confused about real estate? Sean Hannity here, and I can tell you as an active real estate investor, well, just like the stock market, it can go up one day and down the next. Home values and sales, they fluctuate on a dime. Now, even though I bought and sold homes for years all across this great country, one thing I will always do is partner with a sharp real estate agent that truly studies local and national market trends, that knows the real value of homes, and most importantly, knows how to generate demand regardless of the market. And the good news is you have a truly amazing agent right in your backyard. I'm talking about Lori McCarty of Coldwell Banker. She has an amazing team working for her that doesn't miss a single detail. Her system is so bulletproof, well, she can create demand for your home at a deadline that you agree to or she will buy it herself. Now, real estate doesn't have to be frustrating or scary. Call Lori McCarty today at 665-SOLD. That's 665-SOLD. Online, themccartygroup.com. That's themccartygroup.com. Go there and you can start packing. The times we're living in are unparalleled. And it's affected all of us. It's made us feel uneasy and alone. Americans who need to sell their home or have to move and buy a new home are experiencing tremendous stress right now. And I know it's scary and overwhelming, but there is a solution. I'm fortunate to work with some of the top agents in America, agents who are going to tell you the truth, who will give you the best advice that's right for you. Right now, you need to work with an agent that can bring solutions for you. You have the help of somebody that can help you really make an informed decision. Lori McCarty with the McCarty Group at Caldwell Banker. You may want to take a cash offer or maybe it's time to upgrade your home and get it ready to sell in the summer. Maybe you should just hold tight and refinance. You do have options and you deserve to work with a great agent who does business with the highest integrity. Call Lori McCarty at 665-SOLD or online at themccartygroup.com. That's themccartygroup.com.